Today is Tuesday, January 25th, and you are tuned into another episode of the What's the Snaps podcast, your favorite podcast hosted by two dudes, both named Mike, who used to be college roommates. On this episode of the podcast, we have a very special guest. Dakota Bull is joining us, our resident WVU basketball expert. He's here right now. Let's clap it up for Bull real quick. Dakota, thanks for joining us. Glad to have you on, bud. I know it's been a long time coming and you've wanted to be on here. Yeah, thank you guys for having me. Um, I've actually, since you guys actually started doing this, like I've actually wanted to do be on the podcast since you guys started. Um, I feel like I can go out to the table, but you guys, um, we're, you guys are dope. So thanks for having me. I appreciate it. We appreciate it, Bull. And also, as always, I am joined by Michael Sussman. Suss, how's it hanging, bud? Doing great, doing great. Glad to be joined by D Bull tonight. And to make it even better, we got a big Mountaineer win last night uh, against Texas Tech. Top 10 dub. Deuce McBride is a freaking stud. I can't wait to get into it. He is. And we're going to get right into it, but we are going to talk about something real quick before. Um, a year ago today, the basketball world was changed forever, and the tragic death of Kobe Bryant, his daughter Gigi, and seven others. And we're going to start off with a quick moment of silence for all of those lost that day that changed basketball. Thank you, guys. This also happens to be our 24th episode of the What's the Snaps podcast. Um, it, it lands right on the day that we lost almost the GOAT. He's my GOAT. I love Kobe Bryant, number eight, number 24. A lot of us knew him as number 24 from how young we are. We're 23, 24 years old. Um, but we're going to start with our favorite mom. Hold up. That, that's got to be a sign. That's got to yeah, be a sign. It's a sign. It's a sign from the Mamba himself that our 24th episode, we're recording it on the day that he left this world to go on to play for God's basketball team. We got to be great. This we has are, to be a great gonna episode. This is going to be the best episode of the What's the Snaps podcast. Ask I, I, I'm not trying to move on, but I think it's very fitting with being the 24th episode. And I mean, I, this episode, it has to be the best episode you guys have ever put out. So let's, it has to be good. It's going to be. Let's keep that energy. Uh, who wants to start first with their favorite Mamba memory? Uh, I'll go ahead and go. Um, I mean, as I'm sure a lot of people, as you as guys as well as one of your guys' top Mamba memories, I mean, your last game as an NBA player and you go out and you score 60 points, I mean, that was one of the most, that's one of the most, in my opinion, the most memorable basketball moments of all time. Because, I mean, there's been a lot of them, like Jordan going out with the Bulls, winning his sixth ring. I mean, just a bunch of different things. But Kobe Bryant, you know, is an NBA icon, you know, one of the best to ever do it. Some consider him the best player of all time. His mentality just changed the way people think about life in general. He just – it was it was surreal. And the, the, the amount of people that were there, like Snoop Dogg was there, like Jack Nicholson, like it was just a great moment for Kobe Bryant and the, the, the NBA. I was watching a replay of that the other day, and I almost cried. It was on ESPN. It's hard to watch. It's an it was incredible, game. incredible game. The fact that he dropped 60 in his last game is just something that you, you you write about. It's just something you read about in storybooks, and it's just in myth and legend, you know. But uh, Sus, you want to share with us your favorite memory of Kobe being Bryant? Yeah, I, I got to go with Kobe dropping 81 against the Toronto Raptors. Anytime that you have a chance to make professional athletes look like little kids, like he did that day, it's truly impressive. And you guys talk about him being a monster and a beast. It was on full display because that's him at his best. When you think about the work that he, he puts in, his average performance is going to be good enough to be elite just because of the repetition, because of how hard that he works and his talent level. So when you have a day like that where he's hot too, 
It's just stupid. It's unfair. 100%. And, and um, I'm going to go with mine now. A lot of my favorite Kobe memories are things that happened off the court. You know, him winning an Oscar for his short film, More Than a Game, incredible short film about the game of basketball. Um, him also starring in a commercial with Kanye West. It used to air all the time where he and Kanye West, they're trying to figure out how to you know sell more records. And Kanye asks him, but or Kobe asks Kanye, can, I, can you be the same beast and a different animal? And Kanye just goes, what does that mean, Kobe Bryant? What does that mean? I have no idea. And then also, uh, one of the last times he watched Luka Doncic play, he ended up learning how to speak Luka's native language of Croatian, and he was talking trash to Luka in his native language, which I thought was pretty cool. And then, like you guys said, his last game, you know, April 13th, 2016, was my freshman year. I was sitting there watching that game on a little 16-inch TV in my roommate, Jake. Shout out to Jake. Uh, we were watching it, and at the same time this game was playing, the Golden State Warriors were winning their 73rd game to break Michael Jordan's Bulls record for most wins in a game. And I just, you know, I, I didn't watch that game because I wanted to see the Mamba go out one more time. Mamba out. He ended the game with it. But, you know, it's it's sad that the world does not have Kobe Bryant right now, but he lives on in the memories that we all have of him, whether that being you personally met him or you know him from watching him on TV. The Mamba is a great one. But we are now going to go into... Uh, into a great game that happened last night. The West Virginia Mountaineers pulled off, I'm going to call it an upset. We were 11, they were 10, over the Texas Tech Red Raiders. God, that game was incredible. Great game to watch. Dakota, our resident Mountaineer basketball expert, what did you have to see? What, what do you have to say about that game? So, actually, there's a funny story behind this game. So, <clears throat> um, just to go back and get to give a little more details about the story. Um, so, when we played, Oklahoma State, we came back, what was that, an 18-point comeback win? Yeah, right. So I was so frustrated, you know, as Mountaineer fans get, you know, it's very easy to get frustrated and very disheartened as a Mountaineer fan. So I just, that game, actually, I turned the TV off at halftime. I was just upset. I just went to bed, missed all that. So fast forward to last night, similar situation. I wasn't giving up on them, but I had the game on the entire time, but I was kind of, like, tired and Right, the first time out they called, right before they had the play where McBride went to the bucket, got the shot to go ahead, I fell asleep for like 10 seconds. And I almost fell asleep for good, but then I woke up, and so I almost missed that. So that that's kind of my little story about, about that. But that game was just, I mean, one of the best WVU games I've seen in a long time. We, we came together as a team, and I mean, quite frankly, Miles McBride is a stud. And that's what I have to say about that. He is that guy. Sus, you see about the same thing. You've been high on Miles McBride from the start of the season. You and I have kind of gone back and forth for who we think the Mountaineers' number one option should be. You've been high on Miles McBride. I've been high on the big fella, Derek Culver. And I think I've got to switch sides to Team McBride. McBride can create his own shot, and he's got that killer instinct as a sophomore. He knows when he's got to turn it on, and that's what he did last night. 19 points in the second half. Game on the line, made a big-time play. And that was just a smart drive to the basket. Gets a good good floater up there off the glass and and uh, gets a big win. That was a pivotal moment in the Mountaineers' season. Uh, you guys said it the other day at the whistle stop. Needed that one. And uh, West Virginia in good shape moving forward. 4-3 and three in the Big 12. 11-4 uh, overall, I believe. That's not horrible. Yeah, we, we love to see it. And we come out and we played great. And I, I want to give a shout-out to Miles McBride because he did draw – Mac McClung, a great player from Texas Tech, a lot in the first half. McBride sat out a little bit with a little bit of foul trouble in the second half, but 
He held Max McClung, he and everyone else, to six points in the first half, which was awesome. McClung ended up the game with 30, and he was really the main reason we had trouble with the Red Raiders of Texas Tech because he is just so explosive, can do almost anything on the basketball court, and you have to respect every aspect of his game. But this this is a massive win, and Dakota, I'm going to go to you with this next question. This new starting lineup that we've seen for now two games, in this game against Texas Tech and the, and the Kansas State Wildcats, we've seen a starting lineup of Miles McBride, Jordan McCabe, Taz Sherman, Jalen Bridges, and Derek Culver. Do you think this is a starting lineup we're going to see a lot going forward, or do you think this is mainly because our shooters in um, Sean McNeil have been a little colder than usual? Um, quite frankly, and I mean, this may be considered a hot take, but from every variation of the lineup that we've seen this season, in my personal opinion, I think this gives us the best chance to make a run in March. Um, you know, it was always nice having someone like Tess Sherman coming off the bench because he's, you know, often – as we all know, he brings that spark, hits back-to-back threes, makes a play on defense, comes back, makes a jump shot, you know, so on and so forth. But in reality, I think we just need to put our best players on the court and we just need to get after it from the tip. I, I just, Quite frankly, I think, you know, with our new lineup, we're a lot smaller, but we're a lot more agile. I Honestly, I think this gives us our best opportunity to get back to the old, you know, and we're never – like a. I want to make this very clear. We're never going to be the Javon Carter for West Virginia. It's just, it, I doubt we will ever see that ever again. However, I think this is the closest we have been in recent years, and I think we just need to exploit that. Now, don't get me wrong. Oscar Shibway, great basketball player. I just don't think he, he, I think he could have fit our system well. I, he just, at the end of the day, he didn't, and I think this is where we should go moving forward to make a run in March. Sus, did you see the same kind of thing with this new starting lineup? I mean, I don't need to see more of Jordan McCabe. That's my only take on it. Uh, I, I, I kind of, I, I, I'm thinking along along similar lines. Put your best players out there on the floor, but really, I only direct that towards McCabe. I know. See, I'm, I'm gonna get all the hate because I'm a McCabe guy. I think he gives us the Why, true point guard aspect. How are you a McCabe guy? Who's a McCabe guy? He gives us a pure point guard aspect. He's got great ball handling. Yes, he makes some questionable decisions. He had a bad pass to Derek Culver. We were trying to throw the deep ball and just threw it out of the end zone. Um, but I think he he had a good game. This was his first real good game of the season. Ten points, three rebounds, three rebounds, uh, two assists. Dakota, I see you wanted to say something about Jordan McCabe. Let's hear it. So one thing that I think is really good about Jordan McCabe is you you it, it struck in my mind as soon as you said it. He is the only true point guard we have on the team. With that being said, by having him on the court, there are so many more opportunities to have Deuce McBride come off the ball, come off of the screen, have designed plays for him. You know, yeah, he can make the plays with the ball, but there's more opportunity to make plays for him without the ball. So I think Jordan McCabe, and if he can consistently play like he did yesterday, I think he is the guy we need to stick with that point guard. Yeah, that's, that, that's what I'm saying. Yeah. Ahead, I mean, that's Sus. the thing. I, he played well last night. We just haven't seen that consistently. He's been a, a liability from a turnover standpoint. I think, in theory, that's the guy that Bob Huggins wants him to be. We just haven't seen it for the most part. Yeah, and um, also another thing about Jordan McCabe, he really hasn't gotten much of a chance, really. And that's yeah. like kind of like similar to Jalen Bridges. Now that's a whole other thing that I, you know, we can talk about. But he really hasn't had as much opportunity as you know you would think you know he would get but you know moving forward he is going to get the opportunity to you know prove himself and bounce back from a very subpar first uh, part of the season 
Let's talk about Jalen Bridges. Well, what did you see out of him last night? I do want to give you some breaking news real quick that just hit my phone. The number five Texas Longhorns just fell to the number 24 Oklahoma Sooners. Horns down. Texas got whooped 80 to 79. So, uh, Dakota, you can continue, but that is massive for the Big 12, having Texas drop, especially with the Mountaineers coming off this win against the Red Raiders. It's massive. I mean, that also means we're going to move up in the AP polls and the coaches' polls. So, thank you. Shout out to Mike Fink, always bringing the good news. Um, so, about Jalen Bridges, the thing is, and I, you guys can vouch for this, out of everyone you know that is a WVU basketball fan and who keeps up with it, who has been the, the number one, like, pro Jalen Bridges guy that you guys would know? Be honest, be honest, but I think I know who you guys would pick. You actually sent me the DM DM that he was graduating early from. Did he go to Fairmont Senior or was he? Um, he went, I think yeah. So he went to Fairmont. He went to Fairmont Senior. Then he went to like a okay. prep school. Where he had planned on going to a prep school, and then he ended up just signing to WVU. Yeah, because you had you had sent me the DM initially that he was graduating early from high school to enroll at WVU early to catch the start of last year's season because he redshirted last season. But you've been a Jalen Bridges guy from the get go. Yeah, right. So I've actually I've been around Jalen Bridges when I was younger. We worked out at the same gym, and um, he we put he played on the same AAU team that I played for a little bit, like you know coming up. But I mean, he's been playing up since you know he was younger. But Jalen Bridges has been a dog. Like, there's not too many guys that come out of West Virginia like that. Like, you know what I mean? Like, it it's one like so especially you guys know small town small town West Virginia. Um, you know, when athletes come through like that, you mean everyone knows, like everyone knows who that is. You, Napper was supposed to be that guy. He didn't pan out. Chart Chase Harler played a lot for some reason, but to see an in-state guy hooping like that, it, it is cool. And yeah, so I, the one thing that I've always said about Jalen Bridges, like especially starting this year, all he needed to see, in my opinion, was one relevant shot going, one relevant three against like an Oklahoma, an Oklahoma State. You know, anyone can get buckets against <clears throat> Duquesne at that level. But all he needed to see, I think, was one shot, and he needed a legitimate chance, and he got it. And here's, you know, maybe a hot take. I think he is the best overall NBA prospect on West Virginia's roster. I can see where you're coming from. I can see, Sus, I'm going to tackle this first if you don't care. I can see where you're coming from. He's got the NBA build. He's taller, lengthier. What is he, 6'7", six, 6'9", six, in that range six, about? Eight. See somewhere in there, he can play a combo guard. He can shoot the three. I think he's shooting about 48% from the three-point line this season. He's playing phenomenal basketball. Um, I need to see a little bit more out of him before I can say that he's definitively the best prospect because we do have two years of Derek Culver and a good year and a half of Miles McBride to see that. But I understand where you're coming from. He definitely has the NBA body. Um, I just need to see if he has that NBA and killer mindset that you need to take it to the next level. Right. So let me make this more exciting. I wasn't very clear about that. So, like, you know, obviously, we haven't seen enough of Jalen Bridges. That's a very hot uh, statement to make. But I love that you I made it, though. I'm all about the hot take. At the end of the day, at the when it comes down to the end of their time at WVU, from what what we will see from McBride, you know, Derek Culver and Jalen Bridges, I think he will be the best overall NBA prospect. And that's simply because, and here's why, because it Deuce McBride is obviously, if not first, close second. Deuce McBride can score at will. However, you know, when he goes up against a dude like Cade Cunningham, or if he goes into the NBA and goes up against a 6'7 combo guard on a day, on a nightly basis, you know, how is he going to compete against that? I, like, the thing about Jalen Bridges, yeah, he's going to have to gain a lot of weight, and he's going to have to gain some more muscle, 
but like he's already got the size, he's already got the skill, he's already he's gonna get he's only gonna get better. He can only get better on defense. You know, he can shoot, he can pass, he can do it all. And he's already got the size. But I think Deuce McBride can have a very successful NBA career. I just think personally, Jalen Bridges, from everything from size, skill, you know, how they can score, whatever, everything, a cultivation of everything, I think Jalen Bridges is the best NBA prospect on the team. I wouldn't say the best just because of the star power that Miles McBride has shown of late. He's he's starting to kind of emerge. Uh, to me, is one of the best guards in all of college basketball. I think it's fair to say that at this point. Um, so just because of the way that he's playing, uh, I got to go with Miles McBride as far as the best NBA prospect that we have. But it's hard to argue Jalen Bridges with his shooting touch at 6'8", 6'9", and as athletic as he is, he's got a, a bright upside. Definitely going to be a prospect, and I think he's going to be on a lot of people's, people's radars going into next year. 100%. And, and uh, Dakota said he wanted to talk about this before coming on the podcast. I'm excited to hear what he has to say. This is really our first big win against a good-ranked opponent since the Oscar Shibway departure. So, Dakota, you have some things you'd like to say about Oscar Shibway, so let's hear him. Right. So obviously, you know, before we he even played a second of Mountaineer basketball, getting Oscar Sheepway was one of the biggest. I mean, I, he was the highest rated recruit we've ever landed. So, I mean, we we did we were just, you know, we expected nothing but great things. And, you know, he had a pretty good freshman year. Um, he really didn't come out and play like I thought he would this year. He's just I just think, you know, the way Huggins style of coaching and his, you know, I just didn't think it mixed very well. And um, he, like you know, like I said earlier, they have now more ability to press and you know play at a faster pace. But the thing about Oscar Shibway is, I just don't think he really fit in with Huggins' mentality. Like I think, like I said, I think he would have done very well in Bob Huggins' system. But I just think there's just a, a lot of factors that can go into this. Like you know, I I don't want to be the one to say this, but I feel like Bob Huggins isn't the type of guy to like give like you know he'll offer you he'll give you a scholarship to come to w but that's it like there's no like any monetary you know values gained from coming to your school you know this is not Ooh, how like, you're I calling think, you're calling I, foul here I, I i like i said i just don't think that's in this this could be true could be not but i think some schools there are definitely more incentive to go there because of what they offer but aside from that when talking strictly basketball i think at kentucky Oscar Sheebug will thrive. Like I, I literally think, mm-hmm. I, I literally think all Calipari is going to have to do is say, "Hey, Oscar, run rim from rim, go dunk the basketball, rebound, outlet, run, and just repeat." And I think he's going to put together a fifteen and ten season. And if he has, you know, if he decides to stay and has another good year, I think he could be a first round pick because coming from Kentucky, I think Oscar Sheebug will will thrive there in his system and his style, his mentality and his style of coaching. Let's just hope they put together a better season next year than they are this year. They are not playing good basketball at all. And I'm going to rant a little bit because we just talked about this Oklahoma game. The fact that the 24 ranked Sooners and the five ranked Longhorns are on ESPN two and the Kentucky Wildcats who are playing like the East high Wildcats from high school musical. Are yeah, yeah, well, they had a nine. squad. They had a squad. It doesn't matter. You have 24 against five in-conference opponents. And Oklahoma, the only they have four losses. They lost to Xavier, which is a bad loss. I'll give it to them. But then they lost to Kansas, Texas, and Baylor are their three other losses. How many points did Brady Mannix old ass score tonight? 
I don't know that Larry Bird looking. I will pull it up right now. He is, he is listen. He is so good though. He is exactly like he 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 plays his role so well. Like it is so funny watching him play basketball. That is he had he, one point. He he really? is good. He is yep. good at what he does though. He he plays wow. like the, the dirty like doing like the dirty stuff. Like I, I Austin really, Reeves did hit one of the craziest shots before I turned off to come up here and prep for the podcast. He hit a shot on the baseline out of bounds that went over the backboard and the shot clock and went in. It was one of the craziest shots I've seen. It was incredible. But one more thing I want to touch on with Mountaineer basketball is we have a rough road ahead of us. We have a rough five-game stretch ahead of us, and I'll read it out for you listeners here. We are February 6th home against the number 15 ranked for now. I know it might change. Uh, Kansas Jayhawks. February 9th, we are at Texas Tech. February 13th, we are home against Oklahoma. February 15th, we are home against Baylor. February 18th, we are at Baylor. February 20th, we are at Texas. What do we got to do coming into this horrendous five-game, just absolute battle that we have to make it out and keep the same seed that we have going into tournament time? I, I think what it comes down to is, realistically, we need to win... In my opinion, we need to win at least four out of the five. I would, I would be. I think it's very. I think you should be satisfied with three out of five, but realistically, three or four out of five of those games need to be won. And I think if we're able to win three or four out of those five games, I think we have a. And it, this may be another hot take, especially if, if you're not a West Virginia fan. But I'm gonna say it. I think if we come out of this four, out of, this five game stretch with four wins, heck, we may come out with five. Who knows? But I think we have a legitimate shot of winning a national title if we win at least four out of five of these games because we have proven we we have literally proven against the number one team in the country. Now, granted, that who's that six eight guard that they had that fresh? What was his name? Jalen Suggs. Yes, he was hurt for a little bit of the game, but also we were expected to have a big game. Out he of did Oscar. drop like twenty six though. Either way, he was hurt. He still yeah. had twenty six. Yeah. So and then Oscar Shuey bad game. Sean Mingo bad game. Whatever. We have shown we can compete with anyone that's on the court. So if we prove that through this battle-tested schedule, we can come out, persevere, get four wins, maybe even five, I, I wish, I'd, I think our chances of winning a national title go up very significantly. I asked Bob Huggins about this in the news conference last week after the Big 12 conference schedule was released post-COVID-19. And I asked him about playing all those games right in a row, Baylor twice, Texas on the road, in one week at one point in the season. Coach, you mentioned the three games in five days there, playing Baylor multiple times in a short stretch and Texas. As you guys embark on that journey the rest of this season, do you think that your guys are going to embrace that challenge? They always have. They always have. You know, when I was a kid, when I was a kid, they used to ask me, you know, you're not afraid of very much, are you? I said, I'm afraid of ghosts. They said, why are you afraid of ghosts? I said, I can't see them. I can't hit anything I can't see. That's how I feel right now. I don't, I don't, I don't know anything about this. I can't, I can't see this. I can't, I, you know, there's, nobody knows what the cure is. No, nobody knows, you know, it's, it's just, you just got to let it play out. Um, and, and that, that scares me. I mean, it scares me that we don't have really a schedule. Okay. We know we got that three games in five days. What do we got after that? I don't know. You know, I don't I don't think they know. 
and I and and I'm sure it's because they don't know who's going who's going uh, who, who's going to be laid up next. Which team not going to be able to play? Those are the things that scare me. I mean, it's not. I'm not. I'm not afraid to play Baylor two times in five days. Obviously, I'm not afraid to play Texas at Texas. But I'm afraid of the unknown because I don't. I don't know how to prepare for the unknown. I don't know how to fight the unknown. The way we're playing right now, we can compete. We might be able to get at least two or three of those. Four, four might be a little bit optimistic, hopefully. But in this year, who knows? Who knows where we're going to be? Who knows where they're going to be? But I guess you just got to embrace the challenge. Exactly, and that's where I sit. I look at these games. I think we can take the rematch against Kansas. We fell to them earlier in the season. Texas Tech, I think we can beat them again. Easy as pie. Oklahoma, we're not going to let that one slip through twice. I think we drop one at Baylor, beat them a second time, and then we we beat Texas. We're not going to gift wrap them another one. We're going to be pissed. We we're going to go we in there tenacious, Texas. and we're going to go out, and we're going to play Mountaineer basketball, and that's what's going to get us the win, is what Bob Huggins would say. And we are going to beat the Texas Longhorns. And so I think we're going to come out of there four out of five horns down as always. And by the end of this five game stretch, we will be a top six team in the country. At oh. least number six. Now is the time right now. Yep. There's no time like the present. Uh, one thing I want to know, like, could you guys imagine if Isaiah Catron like was still like, just, you know, like he never got hurt. Cause here's the thing yeah. with Oscar Sheway leaving, that would give more opportunity for him. And he, he's an active big, like we would be, I honestly think we would be a dominant figure in the Big Twelve with him. With him getting more time to progress in the way like Jalen Bridges has come up, and the way Deuce McBride has been playing, and Jordan McCabe getting a little bit better and starting to play like you know, like we think, like the potential that he has, I I think it it gives us the second best, if not the best shot, to be the best team in the Big Twelve. Well, and just he's a big that can do just about anything. The guy can shoot the ball. He can handle the ball. He runs the floor. He's athletic. He's one of those guys you want on your team because he's about 6'10", 6'11", somewhere in that range, and can do almost anything. He's your prototypical big man in the NBA right now, just the fact that he can stretch the floor. He can handle the ball a little bit. He makes the smart pass. And we would be a dangerous team right now because, realistically, he could run a four alongside Derek Culver and still be able to spread it out. That's how dangerous he is. Right, right. Are you feeling the same way on that, Sus? I, you know, I, I, I would, I would, but you know, those are all hypotheticals. We got a pretty exactly. good squad out there right now, and they shot the ball great last night. Fifty-eight percent from the field, sixty-three percent from three. Finally, hopefully, that trend continues. I exactly we, still need to get up that free throw percentage. We shot fifty-nine percent from from the free throw line. Yeah, that's that, atrocious. That that will that will never. I think that will like. I think West Virginia basketball, especially until like, I think the one downside of Bob, Bob Huggins' basketball teams, historically speaking, we've never really shot the like free well. And like real, like realistically, like we've always had like some. We've always had really good shooters, and like we just struggle to shoot the ball. Like if we can keep this up, like we could be so good. It just it's so frustrating because we see games last time where we shoot the ball so well, and then we go see a game where they go three for twenty. So you know. It just hopefully this. I just hope this continues because if it does, I think we're a dangerous team. One hundred percent. Looking ahead, the next game for the Mountaineers will be Saturday the thirtieth at two o'clock against the Florida Gators, the Big Twelve SEC matchup. Um, obviously, we we're all going to take the Mountaineers here. But what are your keys, Dakota? We're going to start with you for the Mountaineers' victory against this Florida Gators team. I think we need to make as uncomfortable as possible. I think the faster we play, 
like I think we just need to push the tempo. I think Jay, we just need to get out in oh, into open space. You know, Jordan McCabe in transition, getting Deuce on the ball, slashed into the rim. You know, and once he starts slashing to the rim, he'll slash to the rim, and then the defense will collapse, and then he just kicks it out to Jalen Bridges, nothing but net. Taz Sherman, nothing but net. And then I think Derek Culver. <clears throat> You know, we say this every game, and I mean, it's it is a given statement for every game. He has to stay out of foul trouble. I mean, as you guys know, we were very slim at the big guy spot. Um, Gabe Osaboyne hasn't been playing the best recently, so we, I I need him to step up and play. You know, couldn't hit water if he fell out of a boat. Guy can't yeah. shoot to save his life. Well, I don't even think that's what he. I don't even. I'm not even looking for him to score. I'm just looking for him to make some rebounds, play some defense, make some plays. You know, he is about – he may be one of the worst free throw shooters I've ever seen at WVU. He was 0 for 2 last night. I, uh, well, okay. Well, at least he only had to shoot the ball twice from the free throw line. Exactly. Right? He did not yeah. take – he did not attempt another shot besides those two free throws. Yeah. Um, this this weekend, I honestly think – I think the Mountaineers come out – where's the game being played? Uh, the game is being played at Morgantown at the Coliseum. Oh, okay. Well – I honestly think there's – I think we're either going to come out and we're going to, you know, I think we're going to come out and either win by 15, come out from the jump, keep a comfortable lead the entire game, or it's going to be a back-and-forth game because, I mean, although Florida has – I mean, they're a, a pretty good team. You know, it's it, it's not like playing against, like, a Kansas. But, you know, they're going to come out and they're going to play hard. They're an SEC team. You know, traditionally speaking, they play against, like, one of the best powerhouses of all time in college basketball. So, they're not – there's it's not like they're going to bring a bunch of scrubs on the court. But I think – Realistically, I, I I'll go Mountaineers 81 68. I like the prediction. Sus, you've seen the same high scoring game for the Mountaineers. Uh, I don't know. I guess that kind of just depends on the flow of the game. Hopefully, because Sean McNeil and Taz Sherman need to continue to to shoot the ball well. Uh, I, it's to the point to where I think you can rely on Deuce McBride to be there. Derek Culver's a walking double double. Those two take us to another level. So uh, I do expect it to be a high scoring because I think those guys are starting to get into a little bit of a rhythm. But Taz Sherman and Sean McNeil are my X factors. 100%. I've got a little bit lower scoring of a game than you, Dakota, but still a Mountaineer win. I've got 72-59 Mountaineers take it. Dakota, thanks again for coming on. It was great to talk to you and talk some Mountaineer basketball. Hey, thank you guys. I just want to let you guys know this is one of the best days of my life. So I appreciate it. Hey, shout out. Thank you, Dakota. Have a good one, bud. See you. Always good to have a good guy like Dakota Bull on the podcast. I love to have it. Uh, You know know what we're missing right now, Sus? What what is one thing that these past couple podcasts have had that we haven't done yet? What's that? And that's a plug for Baked Goods Vintage, our sponsor on the What's the Snaps podcast. If you care about the environment but also love rocking sick Johns, Baked Goods provides a sustainable clothing option in a world where mall brands and major fashion companies are generating tremendous amounts of waste. Vintage clothes are all the rage these days, and Baked Goods has all of the vintage johns you can need for every occasion. Looking to upgrade your personal style this year? Baked Goods has everything from vintage jeans, old school caps, and trashed workwear to help you create a unique aesthetic that is one of a kind. Make sure to give them a follow on Instagram at Baked Goods Vintage or at their brand new blog website, BakedGoodVintage.com. I bought a hat from there. It's a Camden Yards hat. Go O's. I'm a Nats fan, but I still love the O's, the Baltimore team. Make sure to check them out. Baked Goods Vintage. Just do it.
just do it. it it's, it's that easy to get it done. But we are now going to go to our favorite topic to talk about. And the most exciting thing that happened this weekend because the Mountaineers played on Monday. So it's not the weekend. We can't count them. And that is the NFL Championship Sunday. Boy, were we in for some good games. Those are some good games we had. Oh, we, there were some great games, especially that first one in the NFC Championship. Yeah, and you said it, and that's where we are going to start. And we have to start somewhere, and why not start with the Green Bay Packers and Matt LaFleur? Do you agree yeah. with the call to kick the field goal in the fourth quarter, down eight with two minutes left, all your timeouts, and you have the hottest player in football not right now, Aaron Rodgers, at the quarterback position? I absolutely do not agree with that decision. I think he's going to second-guess that one in his head uh, quite a bit for, for some time to come. Uh, you got to give Aaron Rodgers a chance to pick that one up. 100%. I agree. And again, I'm, I'm some of this is also going to fall on Aaron Rodgers because that third down before Aaron Rodgers elected to throw the ball into double, double coverage when he did have a lane, right? He might not have seen it. I know that he's a downfield guy, so I'm not going to fault him for that, but you got to take the run when it's there, even put yourself in a better spot to go for it on fourth down. But, Aaron Rodgers did have a good game. He was 33 of 48, 346 yards, three touchdowns and an interception, interception, but his offensive line just could not keep him just standing up. He he got sacked five times, and also Aaron Jones had two fumbles, lost one of them, recovered the other one, but the, the Packers still looked like a good team. They were in that game to the end, and they held Tampa Bay to a good game. You know, Tom threw three interceptions. Yeah, they did. Uh, went down early. A lot of Green Bay battled back. Their defense generated three turnovers. But, man, I think the real storyline in this one is Tom Brady getting to his 10th Super Bowl. And the fact that he's the first quarterback to ever play a home game in the Super Bowl. Like, it has to be Tom Brady. It has to be. Do you think that's why he picked Tampa Bay? Do you think that's why he picked it? He was like, they're the best team that gives me an option to play in a home Super Bowl? It's possible. He's got to be bored when it comes to accolades at this point. Because nobody else had nine. He's just, I hate you, but I respect you, Tom Brady. You can't not respect it. I'm tired of seeing you win everything, but I'm glad that I'm watching football at the same time that you are playing football to witness this greatness. It's remarkable. He is insane. But one thing about Tom Brady, I couldn't tell sometimes that that was him or Jameis Winston playing quarterback with the three touchdowns, three interceptions. Like that was a very Jameis Winston-esque game. He, he definitely gave the Green Bay Packers an opportunity. I mean, he, he kind of served it up on a platter for them there late, threw a couple risky balls there, not not a, not a couple of, uh, to, to Jair Alexander, made some nice plays. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, yeah, definitely Tom Brady let the Packers hang around with a couple of dumb throws, but Aaron Rodgers unable to take advantage. You think it's just Tom Brady gets tired of having, like being better than everybody, so he has to keep the other team in games by throwing interceptions? That could be what it is. Because I saw a video today, we're going back to Kobe, 24th episode. He used to shoot trick shots in games. I saw one where he spins around twice and throws it behind his back because he just got bored playing high school basketball. Maybe that's Tom Brady. He's just too good for the NFL. And he has to throw interceptions to to keep it interesting for him. That could be what it is. I I mean, because 43-year-old playing at Lambeau, against Aaron Rodgers, should have been a challenge. Maybe at halftime he was like, are you kidding me? This is nothing. I don't know. And he's, he's just Tom terrific and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. But it's just, it's, it blows my mind that Tom Brady is just this excellent at playing quarterback at this age. We've never seen a quarterback at this age be this this good. And 
I was worried that this stage of his career, we would see him a lot like we saw Peyton Manning with the Broncos, or not the Broncos. Yeah, the Broncos. With the Broncos teams, we're having a great defense, and them kind of carrying him to the plateau, or to the summit, but him getting all of the credit. And I worried about that in this game with the three interceptions, but I think Tom Brady is ultimately going to be Tom Brady, and he's still going to put up the numbers he needs. He's just such a smart player, and that play to Scotty Miller, the touchdown pass, shows that right there. He knew he had man coverage, and he was going there all the way, hit Scotty Miller in stride, and that was a major turning point in the game. 100%. And, and just the, the, the ball that he throws, he throws it on a line. He throws it with velocity at 43 years old. It's like Drew Brees couldn't throw for one half of the strength that Tom Brady has thrown with all season. And Not we're in week 18 of the season right now. I wonder what he's doing. I, I mean, a lot of it's probably Brady. just not getting hit as much as other guys his whole career. Because I understand yeah. the whole TB12 regimen and all the things that he does to take care of his body and all that. But I, I wouldn't imagine that he has access to that much information that other top-notch quarterbacks don't have. I think he's just really good at getting the ball out. He's been fortunate enough to be, to be on a lot of good teams with a lot of solid offensive lines. And he just knows how to pick a defense apart. Exactly. And I think it, it comes down to how much you reinvest back in your body, because there's some statistic. It was a couple of years ago, so it might not be accurate anymore that LeBron James spends over a million dollars a year on maintaining his body. I think that's that of, being what I believe that he's doing that stuff. I don't know how much of a difference a lot of it makes. See, but like so I understand where you're coming from, because I think a lot of that million dollars is like a personal chef or his weight room or his cryo chamber. Like it's not like yeah. him doing anything different than other people are. So I get that. I, I think a lot of it's just genetics. Some people are born with just that, that's what I better think. genetics that are more durable through things. And I think Tom Brady and LeBron James are two of those people. There is a good bit of evidence to suggest that. It's not that they don't take care of their bodies. I, I just, outside of stretching and working out, I, I don't know what the magic Tom Brady secret would be. Uh, I don't know. I don't know. I, I guess you could delve in, probably find out some more information on that. But it's cool. I mean, he's a middle-aged man. You know that he's he's uh, t so Patrick Mahomes, who his opponent in the Super Bowl is, is his dad is fifty and Tom Brady is forty three, seven years younger than Patrick Mahomes' father. Yeah, that that is absolutely insane. But That's wow, I can't realistic statistic. I can't wait. I can't wait for. This I can't either. I can't either. And we are going to give you our Super Bowl predictions on the next episode yeah. of the What's the Snap we, podcast we because we do there. have a week layover. We need some football to talk about. We're going to stretch it out for as long as we can. Don't worry, everybody. But we are now going to shuffle to the AFC. And uh, my heart's a little bit broken, not going to lie. Bills Mafia, I, I, I was on your side. I thought we could do it. But, you know, the Bills offense just decided to not they, – they played their best game in the regular season. You know, Tom Brady saves his best games for the playoffs most of the time. So do a lot of the great quarterbacks. It didn't happen this time with the Buffalo Bills. They just couldn't keep Josh Allen vertical. Again, got sacked four times and some bad sacks for that. That there were some total 30-yard losses on sacks. Yeah, the Buffalo Bills just all around didn't show up. They couldn't contain Tyreek Hill all day. And I think that the Chiefs finally put four quarters together. They weren't which messing around. Which is scary. Yeah, because if, if you look at it, the, the scoring breakdown, you know, the Bills got up to a 9-0 start in the first, and then the Chiefs put up 21 points in the second quarter. Wow. That, that's and then what they put they up do. 10 points in the third. And then they put up seven points in the fourth. So besides that first quarter where Markel, or is it Markel Hardman? 
it's 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 Hardman, something along those oh, lines. Hardman. He had that fumble that was recovered at the one yard line. The yeah. Bills capitalized on it, missed the extra point. That hurt them. But the the Kansas City Chiefs are just resilient and they keep going. And the Buffalo Bills decided not to cover tire or uh Travis Kelsey. He was always open. 13 catches, 118 yards, two touchdowns. It, it was literally, I tweeted it out. It was like their defensive meeting said, all right, we're just not going to cover that Kelsey guy. Yeah, all right, that works. He just always finds a way to get open. I mean, it, he it's does. crazy. He's done it all season. He's been the best tight end in football, and I've been a big fan of George Kittle saying that he and Travis Kelsey are 1A, 1B for the best tight end, but I think it's hard to argue against Travis Kelsey at this point. At this point, yeah, exactly. No question, because... When when Mahomes scrambles, he always just finds a way to get back to the football and just find a soft spot in that defense and pick up a lot of big first downs. He's just a massive target. Mahomes just really has to throw it in the general region. Yeah, and speaking of Mahomes and moving around, Mahomes did suffer from turf toe before this game. A lot of people were saying that that was going to hinder him in his movement moving forward. But if you wouldn't have told me he was injured, I wouldn't have guessed. He looked fine. He looked he just looked great. Fine. Did you see the insert? He had to wear a... a, a two size bigger cleat on his one foot to fit this insert. So his foot wasn't bounding, pounding up and down against the turf. It looked like he was wearing one clown shoe. It was kind of ridiculous, but Mahomes still came out and he was Patrick Mahomes, you know, 325 yards, three touchdowns, no interceptions, took one sack. This Super Bowl matchup is one for the ages. And you know, it's a matchup we've never seen before. It's Tom Brady and Patrick Mahomes. Tom Brady is the goat. Patrick yeah. Mahomes is the only person that has a legitimate chance of ever getting there. So the fact that we're going to get to see this is awesome. Isn't it ironic that there's been so many epic matchups in the year that fans, for the most part, are not allowed to go to the games? It, yes, and it hurts me deeply. It does, because Tom Brady and Aaron Rodgers, that should have 70,000 fans going crazy every time. And the Buffalo Bills being in a conference championship game. Yeah, exactly. They had a home playoff game. The Buffalo Bills had a home playoff game. That's wild. That hasn't happened in a long time. It's a big Exactly, deal. and the Bills Mafia wasn't even allowed to be there. All That's of them. I think there were some members of Bills Mafia there. They shipped in some healthcare workers, I believe, to be there to have a couple thousand fans, but it still wasn't the same. And I it's just it's a crime that this season was so viewer friendly for the most part with the storylines that we saw and the great games and the fans didn't get to capitalize on it. Yeah. No, totally, and it's there was just so much off-season shuffling that you usually don't see in the NFL, and the result... like the NBA. It really did, and the result was just some cool storylines. 100%, and speaking of NFL shuffling, we are going to play a little bit of quarterback matchmaker. Okay, all right. We've got some guys, some of these guys, there's been talks that they're leaving, others it's a little skeptical... Um, I threw in one or two guys just to see what you had to say, but I've got one, two, three, four, five, six, seven guys that I got to talk about. If I missed any, let me know. So, first one is Matthew Stafford. Where's your ideal landing spot for Matt Stafford? He wants out of Detroit. Indianapolis. The Colts would That's be exactly an to title contender with Matthew Stafford. He's the best quarterback in the NFL that's gotten absolutely no credit for his entire career. Some of the throws that he makes are, are just unbelievable and he's a gunslinger in every sense of the yes. word philip rivers was decent this year he had the colts in a solid playoff position but couldn't get them over the hump still loved throwing the ball to the other team and just couldn't make that much happen uh matt stafford can make a lot happen in the past game so 
I think Indianapolis, with an already established offense, with weapons, good defense, and a stable organization, would be the perfect landing spot for Matt Stafford. That's exactly what I wrote, too, because it's the one that makes the most sense. The Colts also have the second or third most cap room, so they can they can eat up that contract to Matt Stafford because he is making a lot of money. And with that O-line anchored by Quentin Nelson, who's just a, a stud, I love Quentin Nelson. I love that he's a big guy that's got a personality. Um, great defense, too. Great supporting cast because you guys drafted Michael Pittman. Uh, Jonathan Taylor still is there. You guys yes. got a great supporting, young supporting cast for him to throw the ball to and hand the ball off to. I love Matthew Stafford for the Indianapolis Colts. And like you said, in that AFC South division, they are going to tear through it. Yeah, who knows how many good years the Titans have left. Uh, Derrick Henry was was still really, really good this year, uh, over 2,000 yards, a beast unstoppable. So you're imagine, you know, they're going to put up a fight. Uh, the Jags were a joke. The Texans self-destructed. So yep. uh, it's probably going to be between Tennessee and Indianapolis, definitely uh, one of the weaker divisions in the league. Definitely. And speaking of the Texans, it's the man that we've been talking to, everybody's been talking about for a while, Deshaun Watson. Where do you have him landing? My ideal landing spot for Deshaun Watson is you go first. All right. So I have, so if we're talking, I've got two because I have my ideal and the one that makes the most sense because ideally for me, I want him to go to the Washington football team. I think that one also makes the most sense. The football team is in serious contention right now with our great defensive line our good supporting cast on offense. We've got a good offensive line. We could address some issues there. We need another receiver to go outside of uh, Terry McLaurin, um, another guy to throw the ball to. I would love for him to go to Washington, but realistically, I don't think it happens. I think that they're going to want a little bit too much that Washington doesn't want to give up because it won't just be picks related. I think they're going to want Montez Sweat, De'Aaron Payne, Jonathan Allen, one of those interior guys. Because realistically, on Washington, there's only two guys that you really can't trade and it's Chase Young and Terry McLaurin are the only two guys who I believe are untouchable at this point because of how dynamic they are on their respective sides of the ball. But the one that makes the most sense to me is that he said he wants New York. It's, it's the Jets, unfortunately. Why does that make sense all of a sudden? Why, why does going to an organization that's in shambles during the prime of your career make sense? I don't know, but I'm only saying it because he said he wants to go to New York. Why? Why on earth would anybody want to play sports in New York? That, that, that's what I've learned that from of. everyone, not counting the Yankees, that's ever tried that. It never works. Yeah, I mean, Eli Manning, he got two titles, but New York hated him for a long time. They did. I, I just, they I did. mean, the, the Jets are terrible. The media is going to destroy him. Oh, 100%. The only thing that makes there. sense is you're going to be a fresh start you're going to a fresh start. You're going to the Big Apple, New York City. You get to play in the Meadowlands, historic stadium, and you get draft picks. And maybe he'll get a little bit more say. Maybe he wants to go somewhere where he thinks with a new coach that he can have a little bit more say in personnel. Maybe he wants to be the LeBron James type, going in, changing an organization, picking the guys that he wants. The Jets also have a lot of cap space, so they could bring in another star with him. Maybe somebody on the defensive side of the ball to anchor that side, or somebody that he can throw the ball to and bring him in a top option instead of giving one away like the Texans did in DeAndre Hopkins. How about the Rams? I don't know where the they Rams are. With, are one- I, don't, I don't know where they are with Jared Goff right now, but it seemed a little uncertain late in the season. Um, he hasn't been very impressive in the last couple seasons. Definitely, they would instantly have a chance to win the Super Bowl with Deshaun Watson. 
but I, I don't know if that's realistic. I, I just think that that is a big spot for any any free agent quarterback. The only reason I say the Rams might not work is because I don't think they have the picks. I think they'd have to trade like a 2030 pick because they've traded all of their first round picks away. Yeah. That, in the Jalen Ramsey a... deal. And then in the deal for, um, there was one other player they traded for that they traded another first round pick just to win now. So unless they can pick up a guy in free agency or, you know, make a trade for a player that they're willing to part with, maybe on the defensive side of the ball or a guy like Robert Woods, who have, Robert Woods is still there. Yeah. Um, then I don't know. Um, another one might be the New Orleans Saints. The Saints might be in the market for quarterback. Deshaun could get there. People are saying the 49ers if they're trying to get off of uh, Jimmy G, which I don't think they should. All better options than the Jets. All better options than the Jets. And speaking of the Jets, Sam Darnold. Yeah. And don't just tell me out of the league because I know that's what you want to say, that you just want I, him to quit. It's, it's, it's what I want to say. Um, I, I know that you just want Sam Darnold to quit playing football. I don't know. He'd be pretty good at holding the clipboard. I think so you he think he'd be a backup job. quarterback? Yeah. So realistically, you want yes. Sam Darnold to be an emergency quarterback that's just like for COVID precautions in another state as far away from the team as possible? I mean, in the best interests of any NFL franchise, probably. I mean, I wouldn't want him anywhere near the practice field, but he's probably going to get a job. But he just hasn't done anything that would give an NFL team confidence to put him out there on Sunday in the starting role. See, I think he gives you glimpses of of being a good quarterback, and I think he stays in New York. You think he's the starting quarterback for the Jets next year, week one? Unless they get Deshaun Watson. If Deshaun Watson can happen, I think the Jets roll with Deshaun Watson. But if not, I think well, you stay with Sam Darnold for one more year. If he sucks again, he sucks again. You signed Robert Sala to a, to a long-term deal, and he gets another first-round pick, and he can just accumulate players and rebuild. If it's not the New York Jets, I also have the Washington football team. All right, here's a scenario. You take a team with no roster right now. Essentially, the Jets have no roster. And and you give up all your first-round picks for Deshaun Watson. Okay, sensible. He's a star quarterback. But then what does he have? He's got no team at this point. They've given up all their first-round picks. It doesn't matter what Deshaun Watson can do. Millions and millions of dollars to bring in another free agent. Maybe. I, I To me, that's a long shot. Uh, Deshaun mm-hmm. Watson, it's on him. Maybe he really just genuinely wants to live in New York. I guess that's understandable, but I don't know. If I was him, I'd be going shopping. I wouldn't want to go to the Jets, although it, you know, it is a trade situation. That's that's different. He's not a free agent, so he might just have mm-hmm. to take whatever opportunity comes, comes his way. I don't know. It's a weird exactly. situation. And I like the Washington football team getting Sam Darnold also. I like those two options. I'd prefer Deshaun Watson, obviously, as anybody with a sane brain would. But I think Sam Darnold can give us some options, a quarterback that are a little bit better than Alex Smith. He has two functioning legs that we don't have to worry about him getting hit every time if he's going to have to go to the hospital um, or hey, potentially lose out. his leg. Still shout out to Alex Smith. Oh, he's amazing, and I want him to be on the team, but I don't want to have to wince every time somebody gets near him that I think we're going to lose our quarterback. You know, hey, but but he's the one making that decision to got to go out there. No, one hundred percent. I still think that we should build a statue of Alex Smith outside of FedEx Field for that NFC East Championship. Yep, one hundred percent for the NFC East Championship. <laughs> um, next, we've got a guy who I, I don't. It's hard to say. He said his future is uncertain. That's Aaron Rodgers. Do you think he's that upset with Matt Lafleur that he is going to go anywhere else other than Green Bay? I don't think so. I mean, they drafted Jordan Love. You know, publicly he he hasn't expressed any anger towards that move, but 
It had to make him feel some type of way. It's a realistic possibility. I just don't think it's one that he's going to do with Devontae Adams and with Aaron Jones. I just think that the championship window is is still open for him with the Packers. And at this point, I think his best chance to win a Super Bowl is in Green Bay. So I think he stays, but it, it'll be interesting to see how it plays out because he, I definitely could see him leaving given what the front office has done recently. And the Packers aren't loaded offensively. Mm-hmm. They, they outside, I mean, outside of Devontae, they really don't have much other than a, a decent backfield tandem. But there are probably some more talented rosters out there, some better receiving cores. So we'll see. But I think he stays ultimately. I think he does too. And I think they're too good to leave. I think they're going to find some common ground. Maybe it's Aaron Rodgers gets a little bit more decision in the play calling because he made it pretty adamant that the decision to kick the field goal was not his. Um, but I think he stays in Green Bay, and I think that the media is just taking Aaron Rodgers' words for a ride. He had just lost a massive game to his career, and he was a little upset. So I think they're, they're going to regroup, and then he will be a Green Bay Packer for life. Um, next, I got Dak Prescott. You think the Dallas Cowboys are going to pay Dak Prescott? Wow. Wow. This one again. We got a break from it. We didn't have to deal with this one for I brought it right back. a few months uh, not for a good reason. Uh, I was as disappointed as anyone to see to see Dak go down. But are they going to pay him? I mean, they haven't paid him yet. Yeah. It hasn't happened yet. I mean, does maybe following an injury now, Dak is willing to budge a little bit? I mean, he's got to be willing to find some middle ground here or else I, I don't think he's think got he all can. the leverage. I don't think he needs to find middle ground. Just based on how, how terrible they were this year? Yep. If Andy Dalton would have been at least mediocre and they could have won a couple more games then he doesn't have as much wiggle room. But I think Dak Prescott has all of the leverage going forward in negotiations. <clears throat> Just from how good he played compared to Andy Dalton and how many games that the Cowboys ended up not winning. I would love for him to go somewhere else from a Washington football team perspective, get him out of our division. Yeah, he, was coming, he, he looked great this year, too, when he came out. He was slinging it. He was throwing for over 400 yards a game. For most of the season, he had more touchdown passes than Baker Mayfield did. Yeah. And he stopped playing in week five. Um, But next, we're going to stay in the NFC East. We have Carson Wentz. You think Philly keeps him with the new coach, or do you think that they're going to roll with Jalen Hurts or invest their future into the draft? They can't stick with them, can they? Wentz? Yeah, after last season. See, I think his big problem was with Dougie P. Doug Peterson. I mean, Dougie P is not the one out there throwing. He can't throw it for him. No, I know, but the quarterback-coach relationship is a very gentle relationship, and we have seen a coach play all the difference for how a quarterback feels when he plays the game. In your opinion, do you think it's in the best interest of the Philadelphia Eagles to continue with Carson Wentz? Carson Wentz was at one point a legitimate MVP candidate. He put them on the path to win the Super Bowl, and he has shown that he can lead a team to at least a conference, to winning the conference. So it's hard for me to move away from him. I know Jalen Hurts gives you those two options. Maybe it's a thing you guys see how it works. Early in the season, close to the trade deadline, you pick one guy, deal him out. Possibly. Uh, the Philadelphia Eagles are in a tough spot right now. They they have a very uncertain future. I, more uncertain than Aaron Rodgers, I would say. Definitely, and I'm intrigued to see what the Eagles do going forward. And the last one I have is old Mitch Trubisky and the Chicago Bears. Chicago Bears, they're another team really without a quarterback at this point because if you have two, you don't have one. Mm-hmm. And they have neither guy 
really showed uh, last year that they can be the franchise quarterback, although the Bears lack weapons offensively. I, I mean, they're going to have to surround they have Alan Robinson, guys. Who's, who's great. He's great. He's That's one guy they need. Also, to, Tariq uh, Cohen was out for most of the season. He's a weapon on offense. They need more, though. They do. They, they, they do. still they still lack a lot of speed offensively. Tariq Cohen's a good receiving back, but they still need more depth in the backfield. Uh, and they have to improve a lot on the offensive line. Whoever was in there all season for the Bears just got smoked. So they got a lot of work to do outside of the quarterback position. I, I definitely – this is a tough one. Because it's either, uh, it's either you roll with Mitch or you roll with Nick – with Nick Foles. I would I don't think they're roll. in the position to draft, a, to draft a quarterback in the first round. If you get Nick Foles an offensive line and one or two more guys, I, I would go with Nick Foles. Okay. So if you're going with Nick Foles, where do you think, do you think Mitch Trubisky, Trubisky ends up as a backup or do you think he can be a starting quarterback in the NFL? A backup. He will be. He be yeah. So you think it would be like a Jameis Winston type deal? I think him and Sam Darnold will become journeyman NFL backup quarterbacks. Oh, you're killing me. I love Sam Darnold. We're just going to have to wait till next season to see. And we might have to have a longstanding bet on Sam Darnold and his future in the NFL, depending <laughs> on where he lands. We definitely should. I think we should. But that's going to do it here for the What's the Snaps podcast. Thanks again for listening. Make sure to check us out on YouTube and on Twitter at What's the Snaps. Make sure to check out our YouTube video where Sus gets absolutely destroyed Buy some hot wings. Sus, how hot were those wings? Were they the hottest thing you ever ate? By far. Not not even close. I, I've done a couple wing challenges before, the Quaker Steak and Lube one. Uh, and I remember it was like hard, like it was really tough, tough like I died. Um, but not even it, – it pales in comparison to what I did at the Whistle Stop the other day. I mean, I started dripping sweat instantly. It was just straight pain. I wasn't sure what was going to happen. Uh, but I got through it, but that was crazy. And, and, and what was up with the chicken tenders? They they'd caked like at they least said, 10 wings worth of sauce on three They said they did chicken five. tenders so that they could put more sauce. That just wasn't cool. It, it, I, I thought it was pretty cool. And then thanks again to the Whistle Stop Bar and Grill in the beautiful Buckhannon, West cool. Virginia, for letting us attempt to film a live episode. It didn't go as well as planned, but that's okay. We still got some quality content for you guys out there of sus getting annihilated by the hottest the hottest chicken tenders, not chicken wings at this point, that a human being could ever eat. But again, thanks from the guys at the What's the Snaps podcast. You guys have a good one.